2: Let's get this week wrapped up, a Football Friday edition of Birds 365. You got your Mac-a-Mac guys, me, Jody McDonald, and my
3: partner, John McMullen. How's your week been, McMullen? Solid, solid week. I enjoyed it. A little nice weather, a little break, a couple cool days. I like that, Jody. I, I like waking up to a little brisk air in the morning, as opposed to just miserable heat and humidity, so that's a positive.
2: See, now, I'm I'm afraid that you've already jinxed it, and if I add to the conversation, I'll only further jinx it. It has been a really good, and we are now officially into summer. I always think of summer as starting uh, Memorial, uh, Day. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend. That's when yeah, summer starts for me. Bit, but right. it doesn't, yeah. It, it On the calendar, it doesn't, and this year, weather-wise, it absolutely had not because you're going to have – uh, 95 degree days on Memorial Day weekend. Oh, yeah. Not even close to being the case this year. And we haven't really had a heat heat wave. I, I turned my air conditioning on for a day earlier this year and it might still be on. I didn't turn it off, but it doesn't ever kick in uh, because well, it hasn't been hot enough to kick
3: in. You have just brought up a problem in this house, Jody. Because my wife always wants the air conditioning on. If she's cooking, if that oven's on, it was the most beautiful day yesterday. We had the stinking air conditioning on while she was cooking. Have Have you not
2: I'm, learned that you do whatever the wife says in that well, category?
3: Yeah. I mean, I have to. I'm sitting there in the corner freezing, freezing. <laughs> it is unbelievable in this house. It's like, it's like a meat locker. I'm going to get whacked. I'm always looking around because they're just going to hang me. Like good bellas. It's it's a meat locker in here.
2: Well, I better that than, than overly hot. I'm kind of with your wife on this one. But my wife is like your wife, a little over the top with it. But I, 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 I never turned it off. And uh, my wife likes it cold in here like your wife does. So I'm assuming it never was turned off. It just doesn't kick on. It doesn't if, kick on. Yeah. If it doesn't get to 70-some-odd degrees in a house, it's not going to kick on anyway. So yeah. I'm saving money on my electric bill, so you're not going to hear any complaints out of me. Yes, I know. We're doing Birds 365 <laughs> all the way through July. Well, this reminds me, August. though.
3: We, we have to get a weather guy at some point. Uh, weather girl, weather guy. So i got to put that in the Rolodex. Okay. For game days, you know. Weather can be
2: an oh, issue. Oh, that's, that's huge. Do you have a uh, go-to person or app or whatever that uh when you're up in the morning and you got to know what it's going to be like for a one o'clock kickoff that you i'm an accuweather app.
3: Accu app guy
2: you're an uh, app guy okay yeah yeah all right uh our buddy has uh provided us a little topic of conversation yesterday unbeknownst to us it was going to be chris sims because he was going to ridiculously li- leave jalen hurts off his top 40 that's 40, folks. There's only 32 teams in the National Football League, but he went so far as to rank 40 quarterbacks in the NFL this upcoming season, and somehow Jalen Hurts didn't crank, uh, crack that top 40. Case Keenum did. You know what, John? To be 100% honest, and we went through the top guys, and we kind of uh, got sidetracked talking other stuff toward the bottom end, and Case Keenum was the 40th and last quarterback ranked. I didn't know what team Case Keenum was on. He has been on so many teams so over many the teams, course of yeah. his career yeah. that I had actually forgotten what team he was last with. I remembered him last as a member of the Washington football team, which I believe at the time were the Redskins, uh, but are now the Washington football yeah. team. Uh, he and just moves
3: knew- around. Now he's Baker Mayfield's caddy.
2: I didn't know that. I actually had to look that up. I said, well, where the hell is Case Keenum? because I off the top of my head and more power to him. He'll probably be in this league and it may still be on Chris Sims' list four years from now when he's the backup quarterback for,
3: uh, by the way, Jody, I think he's a good backup quarterback. I think he is. I, I, I have no problem with case Keenan being the 40 best quarterback. It's the guys, some of the guys ahead of him. um, You know, his best year was probably here. People in Philadelphia don't realize – I think he was sixth in MVP voting that year when uh, the Eagles beat uh, Minnesota in the Champions. the Vikings. Oh, he had a real good year with the Vikings. I had a tremendous year. Unbelievable year. Obviously, it imploded here. Uh, But even then, the Vikings kind of knew. You're coming off that year. His statistics were unbelievable. I have to look them up. And he was a free agent, and people are like, well, you got to sign him. The Vikings are like, "Nah, we're not going to sign," him. because <laughs> they knew they, you know, it, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. But there's and, and who there's got limitations. In, who got sucked into signing him? Uh, at that time, where did he go? I,
2: well, I don't this, even remember. this one. I do know. I don't remember the the quarterback-starved Denver Broncos. Oh yeah, okay. Find yeah. him, and yeah. uh, he, like many other quarterbacks, he's been on so be- many teams went to a position where quarterbacks' careers die, and that was in Denver for Case Keenum. But you're right. He had a phenomenal year with Minnesota. But when we're now several years removed from that, and I didn't even remember what team that he was on last year and is going to be on again this year. Uh, with uh, the kind of luck that the Browns have, because he showed up on Chris Sims's list, he'll probably have to play this year. Baker Mayfield will get hurt. Well, there's so-
3: always remember the coaches in, in Cleveland and remember where it came from. There's always some kind of interconnection because Kevin Stefanski was the quarterbacks coach in Minnesota uh, back when Case was in was with the Vikings having that great season. So we about who you know
2: quick uh, as the world comes all the way around uh, story for that um, buddy of mine is a uh, fellow degenerate horse racing player and he's originally from Minnesota so he texted me that he was going to Canterbury Downs. Canterbury uh, Downs. He was, Do you
3: know Paul Allen, by the way?
2: I know Paul Allen pretty well. That was in his hey. text. He said "PA" on the call today because yeah. um, he's friendly. He's friendly with Paul Allen as well, and he mentioned to me that uh, the stakes race they were having in Canterbury Downs it was either earlier this week or at the end of last week. I don't remember which. Um, the presenter of the trophy was going to be Kevin Stefanski, and I said, "What the hell is a Cleveland Brown Philly guy?" doing a Canterbury Downs. And then I remembered he was a uh, former Viking assistant, yeah. and he actually has a summer home that he kept even after he left Minnesota. So he goes back to Minnesota yeah. for the summer. He's probably freezing his you-know-what off because, as we just said, it hasn't been all that hot this summer. Yeah,
3: uh, so. I, 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 Paul Allen, by the way, what a phenomenal horse racing. I mean, you, you probably know. You definitely know better than me. I mean, that is difficult to do, oh. um, and he is just unbelievable at it. Couldn't. I, I tried it
2: once. I know a couple of guys. I uh, Dave Johnson was uh race caller for the Meadowlands, Mama Jersey, and uh, for many a year. Uh, so he let me come up into his booth one day when we were at the track together. And I just saw the prep He said, do you want to try this? I said, uh, that would be a no <laughs> i have no desire to do what you do mr johnson i can see how difficult it is with all your uh, information and notes and uh, the uh, glasses he's got to wear no thank you i'll just applaud when you're over and done with but i don't want to learn and i don't want to try but thank you for offering um all right we've gotten up on a tangent to start the show all right i started by saying chris Simst is solid by putting his list of top 40 quarterbacks that Somehow Jalen Hurts wasn't on. Well, our buddy Jimmy Kempsky, who you said we're going to have on next week, he's doing a vacation thing this week,
3: like a lot of guys we reached out to, John. I don't know if he's on vacation. He said he had a, a busy week in the morning, so I don't know. You know, you once you get – Jimmy's got uh, um, at least one kid, I know, as well. So once you get into, uh, you know, the, the dad thing, sometimes things get busy in the morning. Gotcha. Just, but he, he did say
2: we'd come on with us
3: next week yeah. and we're very much looking
2: forward to that. But uh, you and I noted on a show earlier this week that he had done his dumpster fire uh, set up articles for the three co- competitive teams in the a- NFC East, the Giants, the Cowboys and Washington football team. Oh, he did the 10 reasons why the Eagles will be a dumpster fire this season. And I guarantee you uh, that someone is not going to get it. I I confess yesterday that the (laughs) first time I ever read this, I don't remember, was Giants, Cowboys, Redskins. Um, (laughs) It it didn't dawn on me, and I'm going, damn, this Kemski guy is negative. He's only pointing out the bad. He does realize that they have this guy as a running back, and their overall defense was one of the better ones. And I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm going, I don't get that. Then I go back up to the headline, oh, that's dumpster fire. Okay, he's going to do this again. All right, now I get—I missed out on the cynicism the first time and felt like an idiot, but that's okay, not the first or last time that will be the case. And I truly like this one from a specific aspect. Not that, yes, he's pointing out the major issues and problems with the Philadelphia Eagles, but it gives the whole series balance. That, yeah, you want me to throw you-know-what against all of our uh, chief rivals in the division? Oh, I can do that for you. I'll do a little research and point out where the shortcomings are of all these teams. But then he comes full circle again, and he points out the issues of the hometown team, which I think gives you a nice perspective on all of them. And that's one thing I will say about this year's version, and Jimmy's been doing it for years.
3: It's not all that hard to do no. it. In uh, the hardest part, I imagine, and we'll ask Jimmy next week, is cutting it down to 10. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's got to be the hardest part. because well, uh, I'm sure he left some things out. All right. I'll, I'll give
2: you a for instance. And uh, man, who did it? Th- I didn't even see who wrote the article this week. You know, I'm a Peter King fanboy. And I think he's as good a football writer as there is and has only been doing it for a decade, as a matter of fact. And over the last several years, first with the, the Monday morning quarterback, now uh <clears throat> FMIA, Football Morning in America. He has his Monday column, which is so chock full of information and opinion and everything else. I think it's a must read for anybody who calls themselves an NFL fan. But enough of kissing Peter uh, Kings took us. Um, He has uh, a lot of things like the 10 things he knows and then the 10 things that he thinks he knows. And under the 10 things he'll have, uh, number two, we'll have 10 things under that. So you can get everything into a column, even if you say you're going to reduce it to just 10 things. And Jimmy does just that today. Uh, number one, they wrecked the Super Bowl roster in record time. Ouch. That's the, head, the headline is painful, even without the details. That's painful. But then under that, he has like fine, uh, five main reasons. The whiff on Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas in 2017 necessitated the Darius Slay acquisition. A uh, selection of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside ahead of better options. Ouch, that was two years ago. Now, now this past year, they did the same exact thing. Rager instead of Justin Jefferson traded up for Andre Dillard as an athletic talent. Uh, and, of course, they used a second-round pick on a quarterback. See, he's, he went there, too. I still don't say that that's necessarily a bad move. And when Jalen Hurts works his way onto Chris Sims' list, of the top 30 quarterbacks next mm. year than those who well, still he better play he
3: better he better make the list in the top 30 next year. Even that wouldn't be good. I think we went through that list and I was at 17 or 18 legitimate good starting quarterbacks. Can it get to 19? That's my goal with Jalen Hurts. Can you be the best of that sort of whatever you want to call it, third or fourth tier? That's probably not. Going to be a really good NFL quarterback or an average NFL quarterback, just the best of the 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 other group. That's what I want.
2: See, I'll take that if there's another progressive step thereafter. You got to get your starting quarterback into the minimum top half of the league. Oh, I
3: agree. I agree. Uh, eventually, I'm right. saying first year. That's first, what I'm first
2: year. For. If you can get into the 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 bottom third of the quarterbacks in the National Football League. That would not be that bad. All right. Of those, the Sidney Jones, Russell Douglas, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, J- Jalen Rager, Andre Dillard, which one sticks out for you as the biggest blunder the Eagles have made in the last several years setting up 2021?
3: Um, uh, I I would say two. I hedge between two. I don't bring up Medcap because Medcalf was red flagged by the Eagles for a medical Uh, issue. So to me, I, you know, I, I think that's real context. Um, So I look at three and four in Jimmy's list. I took it. I I think about Rager instead of Jefferson. Now the Eagles will claim they listened to the coaching staff, the coaching staff uh, wanted that type of player, the scouting staff wanted Justin Jefferson. Okay. Let's make better decisions. Howie Roseman, it's on you. You have to break that tie, pick the better player, and then four, because of Andre Dillard, Jimmy's right. The Eagles at the time, they didn't do a lot of homework on Andre Dillard. The reason they didn't do a lot of homework on Andre Dillard is because there was they thought there was no way they would get him. He, he was supposed to be in the mix to be potential 10, maybe top 10, maybe worst case 15. He, he would fall would be his floor as a draft choice. And all of a sudden he's there and they go, oh, we got a chance to get Andre Dillard. And I didn't do the homework athletically. Nobody questions him from a trait standpoint, but there were some questions about his um, you know, how do we how do we phrase it, Jody? Maybe loving ball, as Nick Siriani would say. That's always one of the things. Do you love ball? Are you gonna fight through things. Do you have the mentality to play the NFL grind? I don't know that about Andre Dillard. Yet. He said all the right things this offseason, but the fact that the Eagles didn't do their homework. They knew they didn't do their homework, and at the last minute, they said, "Oh, let's let's change uh, direction." Can't do that. We've talked to a lot of GMs on this show. You got to have a plan, and you got to stick to it on draft night.
2: Right, and uh, shame on them. I get it that once you get past what what was the Eagles' scheduled pick that year, they were twenty what.
3: Oh, uh, good remember.
2: question. I'd have to look it up. Well, uh, whatever, let's yeah. say they were 26, 27, just to put them up. I get it that if you have guys up top that you really do believe that you're going to have no shot at uh, getting, uh, there have, once you get down to number 26 on your draft board, you have to do major work on all these guys because there's the possibility that you can draft them, be it in the first round or the second round, wherever else. All other guys are in play. The only ones you're not going to get a shot at are those handful of players at the top of the draft who will, in your estimation, be gone by the time you pick at number 26. When you're doing all the work on all of those other guys, why the hell wouldn't you do the work on every available player in the draft? That gives you the possibility to, on draft day, say, yeah, even if you want to take the top 10 and go... All right, we're not getting it. We just don't have the draft capital. We can't get into the top 10. So here are the 10 guys. But if you do that and then you come up with your board and somehow, miraculously, number eight drops down to an area where you can actually trade up and acquire the player, well, here's where it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. If you had him at eight and he's dropping down to number 19 and you're in the 20s, well, why the hell are you scouting that bad that you had him at eight? and he's dropping down to 19, well, maybe you missed something. Yeah, and it's a
3: fair point to say, why is he why is he falling? So yeah. here it was. They are the 25th pick. Uh, they moved up, and 25 turned out to be Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. who uh, has been, you know, but they could have used a player like that, even though he hasn't been spectacular uh, with the Ravens. Montez Sweat, by the way, 126. He's a tremendous player.
2: Hollywood Brown, um, Hollywood Brown's been better with the Ragers than Jalen with the Ravens than Jalen Rager was with his in his first year. Yeah, game. well,
3: exactly. And and Montez Sweat is a star, uh, despite the vaccination concerns. Uh, but uh, so they moved up to twenty two, and 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 now as I look at it, the issue was Houston was at twenty three. They had to get ahead of Houston. Everybody knew at the time Houston was going to take a a, a left tackle if one was on the board, and that's why they made the move. And sure enough, the Texans picked Titus Howard. They really reached for Titus Howard at at 23. So they kind of got screwed by the Eagles, Uh, or not, (laughs) because Andre Diller hasn't done anything. But uh, at the time, it was looked at uh, that way. But you're right, Jody. I mean, Black's got to come up and say, well, why is this guy falling? And Jeff Stoutland has admitted, this is rare, but Jeff Stoutland tells the truth. He is a bit of, We didn't we didn't do we didn't think we could get him, so we didn't do now. I'm not saying they didn't do any homework, they just didn't do as much as they would typically do for a player that they thought was going to be in that position. And here's the real <clears> deal. <throat> Andre Dillard
2: this year is going to live up to his draft status. Yeah, he is going to jump in concerned. as the starting tackle of the Philadelphia Eagles. And if that is the case and he plays the position well enough, and between you and I. Can he play it any worse than Jason Peters played it last year while he was there? I don't think so. And sorry, Jason Peters. I know you're an all time. Great. I know you're going to the hall of fame. I know you're going to be in the Eagle's ring of honor. There was the 2021 season that you came back. We're going to play guard, move back over to the left tackle. And you just didn't have it anymore. And it was probably a bad idea for you. To even come back this past season. If that's blasphemous, I apologize, but it's just, are we right going to report. retire
3: Jason Peters number by the way, Joe? Oh,
2: we're going back down the retired number conversation. Yeah. Again, my opinion, the answer is no. Not because he doesn't deserve it, because I wouldn't retire any more numbers. Who deserves
3: I, it more, though? Jason Peters or Zach Ertz? I think JP pro- does.
2: Probably Peters because of yeah. longevity, because he did it for that much longer than Zach Ertz did. But that's just, again, uh, and they're both going into the Ring of Honor, which is good. And I think they both deserve that. And I love the Ring of Honor. I just say you got to stay away from the numbers because you only got so many numbers. Uh, but we had that conversation. You know three. what I
3: say, Jody? And I know we got to go to break, but I say there's only one team that won a Super Bowl in this franchise history. You got to retire somebody's number from that team. You got to. You got to. Now, it might be 10 years down the road, but whatever. You have to. This is the only team in franchise history to get it done somebody's got to be honored. See, but then if that's the case, I might say Ertz over Peters because
2: in that given year, and I know Peters was really good, but Zach Ertz to me was a bigger contributor to that team becoming the Super Bowl champion.
3: So are are you going to look just at that one year or their entire Eagle career? No, you got to go entire career, but... You're also going to play up that team. I mean, that team's going to turn into a legendary team. There's going to be the 10th year anniversary, the 25th year, where you bring people back uh, just because that, it's the only Super Bowl. Now, hopefully they'll get another one at some point, but it's not coming soon. So um, and Maybe they should retire Corey Clements number two
2: because he was a pretty big competitor, uh, fair point.
3: By the way, that was not a catch. That's right. That's crazy.
2: Oh man, so, did you get did you get killed for suggesting
3: that as well? Oh, I got murdered. It wasn't uh, by the way they refereed the entire season. It wasn't a catch. Not not even close. No. Uh, sorry, I,
2: I said the same thing you did. All right. We're gonna get our first guest up here. Dave Weinberg, uh, former uh, columnist for the uh, post AC, uh, and now doing uh, blogging work and columns for 973 uh ESPN. Down the shore Dave Weinberg Gonna join us next Mac and Mac guys On a football Friday
4: I get scared sometimes Of a lot of things Joining in Decisions The dark The dark But I once heard Someone say But as I always say It's okay to be afraid As long as you face The fear
1: And keep moving forward Wherever you are in life Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross.
5: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, Tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huckenfock. What's that? Huckenfock. Go now to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, hey. the perfect
6: place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Hey. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation. And we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way.
7: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m.
8: It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
0: This is
2: the Mac and Mac, guys. I'm Birds 365, a Football Friday edition Thanks for checking us out, Burge fans. Uh, Looking forward to the rest of this show and all week next. It's summertime. So when when it becomes summertime, what do you got to do, Johnny Mac? Go down the shore, right? If it's summertime, you should be heading down the shore. So we're going to do just that. Uh, Dave Weinberg has been covering the Eagles for years for various uh, outlets down the shore. Good enough to hop aboard with us. Dave, Jody Mac and Johnny Mac here. How are you doing today? Doing well, guys. I was hoping it would be a do your do me a favor Friday. I guess not, huh? <laughs> you're already doing us a
9: favor Johnny. <laughs> thank you very Dave, much. Yeah. No, I met it's you. good to <laughs> see it, by the way. Oh, it's you good. too, Johnny. I appreciate it. Thanks.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh
9: you're really Dave,
3: you guys are cutting into my beach time here. So let's Yeah, go. we know. <laughs> you're you're living my best life. Dave's down in Cape May, obviously. So I assume you're going to the beach. Although it looks a little overcast down there by where you are. I don't know. Yeah, a little uh, bit, but the sun's supposed to come out. Yeah, it's gonna come out. It'll burn off. No yeah, golf today, though. No golf. Uh, maybe I'm not
9: sure yet. It's between golf and stand up paddleboarding. That's my life now. So I'm. Nice.
3: <laughs> that is that is nice. But you still keep an eye on the Eagles. Dave covered the Eagles uh, for a really long time, columnist as well for the Press of Atlantic City. Now, still doing some stuff for one of my old stomping grounds, ESPN yep. South Jersey. First off, I got to ask you, because it's been – I should have had you on the show earlier. I apologize for that. that I want to get get your thoughts on Nick Sirianni from afar, what you think of a a young coach with a young coaching staff and and this sort of transition for the Philadelphia Eagles.
9: Uh, Honestly, uh, I have my doubts. Uh, He's very enthusiastic. I got to give him credit for that. But um, I just have this, like, nagging, annoying feeling – that he's in over his head. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he turns out to be, you know, the next Doug Peterson brings him to a Super Bowl. But um, uh, I got to reserve judgment because right now I'm not, I'm not all that impressed.
2: But along those lines, did you feel the same way about uh, Doug, uh, Dougie P, when he took over the Eagles? Uh, well, he wasn't
9: as enthusiastic, but
2: <laughs> <No>. yeah, <laughs> he should have been.
9: Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I kind of did, only because he hadn't gotten like. Like Nick, he hadn't gotten any other interviews for head coaching jobs. But the difference being Doug played the game for a long time. Doug uh, was, in a court, was a coordinator for a long time. Um, I just kind of felt uh, he was a little bit better prepared. I mean, I, certainly not, not that uh, Nick isn't. I'm sure he's uh, very well qualified. But um, I'm just a little confused. By, I was just confused by the hire when they made it. And uh, But we'll wait and see. Hopefully it'll work well, out.
3: But I think the biggest difference, too, is, Dave, Uh, Jim Swartz came along with Doug Peterson and Jim Swartz was obviously a a veteran coach who had been a head coach and he had had that sounding board. I look at Nick's staff and I say, where's that sounding board? Where's that veteran guy? Where's that guy who's going to tell him this is coming? This is going to be a problem. How do you get over this hump? Does that even exist? That's very true. Yeah, I don't think it does. You're
9: right. Um, Jim was the next um, Source of information. Right. Oh, Dave,
3: Dave dropped off. That's the the you know, that's the the joy of being on the extreme southern tip of New Jersey. Who knows what the do they have Wi-Fi down in Cape May? Now we do because we had Colin Thompson on, so he's a Cape May guy as well. That's but true. you know, streaming streaming is and Dave's already back. So sorry about that. My fault, I guess. <laughs> But yeah,
9: I'm. Uh, Jim, okay. an, you're right. You're right. Jim had an excellent. Um, uh, he, he gave. Uh, he was that person that Doug could lean on, and, and like you said, kind of lead the way for him a little bit. Uh, having been a head coach himself at one point, and uh, yeah, Nick has no uh, has no safety net here. The, the The rest of his staff is in the same boat as him, so we'll have to wait and see if they sink or swim.
2: We're here on birds Three Sixty Five for the Eagle fans, So I'm going to ask you a question from an Eagle fan perspective. While Nick Sirianni is yes, a uh, unproven commodity taking over as their head coach, Doug Peterson had never coached before in the league. Chip right, Kelly right. had never coached before in the league. Andy Reed. We seem to fr- We could absolutely forget that when he was hired, had never coached before in the league. That has been the entire Jeffrey Lurie tenure. As owner of the Eagles, he'd never hired a coach who had previous head coaching experience. So we'd been down that road, different uh, curbs in that road before. All right, we lost Dave again, so I'll put this to you, Johnny Mac. uh, And when Dave rejoins us, we'll, we'll get his take on it. The last time the Eagles started a year was a guy who had never been a starting quarterback before. And I know that Jalen Hurts, I'm talking about at the start of a season, Jalen Hurts came in and started some games for the Eagles last year, but they, he's never been the opening day starting quarterback. It's been a while since Eagles did that, because remember, and I mean, uh, enjoying the offseason leading up to that season, we didn't know Carson Wentz was going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles till 10 days before the season started. Because they ended up yeah. trading Sam Bradford, who we all believe was going to be the starting quarterback. Lo and behold, here's Carson Wentz. So we didn't have that offseason to prepare in our minds as an Eagle fan that, all right, we're going with a new guy. This is a wet behind the ears guy. We're going to uh, go by the seat of our pants, QB. Yeah, there's nervousness about it. But shouldn't there be excitement about it too? Oh, you're talking to me. I'm back now. Okay. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah we're talking to, we know you're we back. <laughs> yeah.
9: Must be the Cape May bubble, I guess. I don't know. Um, oh, Just to go back to your coaching point, real quick. You're right. I mean, even you go back when uh, Jeffrey first took over the team, and he hired Ray Rose as his first uh replacement. Yeah. And Ray had never been a, a head coach anywhere either. And uh, yeah, Jeff just likes to be. I guess he he always he's always enjoyed thinking outside the box, making that choice that maybe some other people didn't really think.
3: Well, oh, we're having a lot of we're having trouble with Dave. Uh, it is the Cape May bubble. But Jody, I agree. But here's the thing. Is it is it because what Dave just said, is it because um, Jeffrey likes being innovative or is it because Jeffrey likes to be able uh, to be in control? Uh, and you can do that a little bit. In other words, you can't bring in, Bill Parcells late in his career Bill Belichick A coach with cachet is what I'm trying to say Uh, You can't bring in that type of coach And say do this Do that Fourth and one Have T.J. Paganetti on uh, In your ear And do what he says So is it Jeffrey wants to be innovative Or Jeffrey wants control Over a young coach that doesn't have a lot of power that that hmm. I think is the biggest question, Dave, did you get that? I did, yeah, you're right there, I think, um yeah, I think Jeffrey like
9: I said, Jeffrey enjoys thinking outside the box, but he likes to have control too, as you've seen by the way that Doug Peterson ever ended um i I personally think that's going to end up being the biggest mistake that Lori ever made um i i don't I still don't understand why he got why he wasn't still the coach um but yeah, he's uh. He, he was not going to bring in a veteran guy, like you said. He's not going to bring who someone who uh, is already set in his ways. Um, Jeffrey likes to be in control of things, and uh, the hires that he's made has reflected
2: that. Dave, I don't know if you heard us uh, previously here on Bright 365. My take on Doug Peterson is to his job status. I was okay with the Eagles moving on from Doug Peterson because I think he did a really lousy job with last year's team. And When you have a season, even if you're just a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl, and you are embarrassingly bad, and the Eagles were embarrassingly bad last year, you can lose your job. Here was my issue. Yeah, and the same could be said for general manager. Howie Roseman could have been fired last year, too. And I thought either you keep both and you go to the well with them one more time, or you fire both and say, clean, Bruins coming in, sweeping clean, we're going to go turn a completely new page. The fact that Jeff Lurie chose to keep one and fire the other I thought was just uh, unfair. I got you. Yeah, you're right there. It was um how we. are right, having serious issues with Dave. He continues to drop off. Uh, but I didn't get your take on the uh, excitement level of Eagle fans this season. Did did Kevin Cobb ever come in as the starting quarterback uh, of of a season in an off season where we thought Kevin Cobb was gonna when it was gonna be the starting QB? I don't know if that was ever the
3: case with the Eagles. Was it? Yeah, yeah. The first uh, Kevin Cobb here, Dave, if we can get Dave back one more time, well, he he would know better. He was here at the time. I'm pretty sure that first year and then he got hurt with the concussion. That's one of the things, you know, I have tremendous respect for Andy Reid when it comes to quarterbacks. And I I remember Bagley at the time. I was not here. I was remembering, how could you think Kevin Cobb is better than Michael Vick, And He did. Uh, Now, there's a lot of other things that can play into that. Obviously, you know, this is the Michael Bick coming off the uh, um, obviously downtime because he was in federal prison. So that's an issue. So all of that stuff could have played into it. But, yeah, the Eagles were planning on going with Kevin Cobb at one point. uh, And that was always one of the biggest Andy Reid head scratchers to me ever. Uh, didn't see what he saw in that particular player. But the, the reason I bring it up
2: is I think there is a reason for it. If you're an Eagle fan and you're coming off four eleven and one and last year was really painful for Eagle fans, when you are only a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl and you, and you put up a four eleven and one season, you're grasping at straws for anything to get excited by. Uh, we're still several uh, weeks, several uh, months away from the start of the season. So you're looking for something to get your eagle juices flowing. And I think the fact that Jalen Hurts is going to be an unknown starting quarterback is something that if you're an eagle fan, yes, you admittedly uh, relate to the fact that you're doing so through eagle-colored glasses. But he's somebody that you Uh can at least uh, projectedly think that, wow, we may have something different here. This may be something that we can build on. Am I just uh, looking too much through those Eagle colored glasses there, Dave, or do you think there is reason for excitement for Jalen hurts taking over as the new quarterback of this team?
9: No, absolutely. It's reason for excitement. Uh, um, I'm a big believer. I think Jalen's going to have a very good year here. People tend to forget that there was no training camp. There was no preseason. There was no, uh, he was sitting on the bench for the first three quarters of the year before he finally got, got his opportunity. And, um, I
2: mean, he, he, admittedly he did struggle but when you we once again lost dave uh this stuff like this happens from time to time streaming
3: show oh well well yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on but uh uh i thank dave for trying he's he's still gonna live his his best life because he's still gonna be on the beach jody as we struggle with wi-fi but uh it happens uh but getting back to Jalen Hurts, yeah, I, you know, you mentioned the Kevin Cobb point. It was 2010 after the Eagles traded Donovan McNabb. That was the plan. That was the plan that Kevin Cobb was going to be the starting quarterback of this team. And I didn't get it at the time. I do remember that. Uh, and obviously, it didn't work out. Now, some will point to injuries. Some will point to the concussion. But I, I just didn't think he was going to be a, a, a big-time quarterback. So I mean that speaks to the difficulties of evaluating the position. I mean, this is Andy Reid. This is one of the best of all time evaluating the quarterback position. Nobody's a hundred percent. Now the key is you can't be Ben Simmons at the free throw line. You can't be. You can't be thirty four percent. You know you got to You got to have more hits than misses. Andy Reid has certainly had that over his career and we'll see the eagles this you know we talked about we talk it from a national perspective all the time jody we talk about the fact that not much is expected uh from the eagles and why is that the case and the reason that's the case is because of the head coach that we talked about with dave and the quarterback the young quarterback and people don't believe in him there's two ways that can go. You pointed it out. It's already worked with guys like Andy Reid and, and, and Doug Peterson, and even to a certain extent, Chip Kelly was a success early in his career. I think people conveniently forget that at times. It, it, he doesn't have to be a bad coach, and Jalen Hurts doesn't have to be a bad quarterback. Uh, he could be. He could play well. He could be better than people expect. He could be better than Chris Sims. Uh, expects. I think he will be. I think the key is how much better. Um, and, you know, that's the whole thing. I think Jalen Hurts is so interesting, and I've said this before. Typically with young quarterbacks, we're always concerned about the other stuff. The work ethic, the intangibles. Is he going to do what it needs to do off the field? That kind of stuff. I I have no concerns over that kind of stuff with Jalen Hurts, Jody. None. Zero. I know he's going to do the work. I know he's going to put in the time. I know he's a leader. The one that I I wrote on Sports Illustrated yesterday, Jody, Xavier McKinney, now granted, another Alabama guy, um, they have a relationship, they have a history. He spoke very, very highly. He was on uh, Patrick Peterson has a podcast, the, the old Cardinals corner now he's on Minnesota. Um, he he was on Patrick's podcast and he just raved about Jalen Hurts from a leadership standpoint. And everybody to a man, it, it's been a hundred percent. It's been yep. Steve Nash at the free throw line, not Ben Simmons at the free throw <laughs> line. That from that perspective. So I can't tell you how much of a positive I think that is because. Even though you can't put a number, and I'm going to get the analytics people mad at me, like Bill Belichick, you can't put a number on that. So people dismiss it. They can't judge it, so they dismiss it. It's important. And you just saw it unravel with Carson Wentz. It's important. Just because you, that's why they call it intangibles, because it's not tangible. And it's very, very important whether you can put a number on it or you can't.
2: I'll give you a tangible thing about uh, Jalen Hurts that uh, probably isn't the first thing that comes to mind. Something intangible like leadership qualities come to mind before something like this. They got him on the cheap. And yes, this year, they're not going to take advantage of it. They can't because it's costing them an arm and a leg under the cap with dead cap money to just move away from Carson Wentz But as of next year, if Jalen Hurts is meritorious of being their starting quarterback, if, as you say, he plays into that low teens, high 20s in his first year, best quarterback in the NFL, with the arrow pointing up where you believe he's only going to get higher the year after, now you've got a quarterback who's playing to that range in the NFL, and basically you're paying him NFL peanuts, which is a good thing. Uh, Because if you can spend that little at your quarterback position, which most teams in the national football league aren't even close to, they're spending a major chunk of their salary cap funds on their quarterback just to be good enough. Well, then that means you can do that much uh, more and spend that much more and give your general manager the leeway to do that much more at all other positions. So that is an added positive on Jalen Hurts being able to win this quarterback uh, position because if he does it and he just continues to escalate his game you got him on a cheap for the next several years
3: now the problem with that is and you're right but uh, there is one concern when you have and this is when we always talk about with first round picks and why you see teams trade up to 32 a lot that's what happened during the Lamar Jackson year the Eagles uh, we're at 32. The Ravens traded up to get Lamar Jackson. Why did they do that? To get the fifth-year option on the quarterback. So you start talking about Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, this is a second year. He's a second-round pick, so he has a four-year deal. Uh, so you do have him under control. But guess what? If he plays well, you got to start talking about an extension next right. season, Jody. So it's real quick, and it's moving real, real quick. And everything in the NFL, let's be honest, everything is about decisions and making the right decisions, stacking good decisions. Uh, nobody's uh, right all the time, but the more, <laughs> the more things you get right, the better, obviously. Um, in the case of Jalen Hurts, yeah, it'll be cost effective. And that's one of the reasons they could take on the dead money for Carson Wentz, by the way. Uh uh, so quickly and and try to take that gulp of medicine, uh, and they'll be able to move on from that. So from the finances standpoint, I think that's the biggest positive, the fact that they could, because they had Jalen Hurts, they could take that gulp of medicine, so to speak, with Wentz and move on quickly. But, again, it's about decisions, Jody. If we're here next year at this time Carson Wentz plays lights out for the Indianapolis Colts, did you make the right decision if Jalen Hurts plays poorly? Well, it's not going to be spun as the right decision. Certainly not. It probably was the right decision either way. But you know how this works. It it, it's, it works with hindsight. You know, who plays well? Who doesn't play well? So bottom line is Jalen Hurts has to play well. And then, by the way, you know, I talk about you have to be in that 19 range, 20 range, 21. That's what I'm hoping for. And a lot of, and you point out uh, also add the caveat of with the with the signs pointing upward. In other words, there's more potential there. In a lot of ways, though, you know, when I think about it, Jody, that creates a quandary as well because you got to make that split second decision. Does this guy is he better? Because you have all that draft capital, you have all that financial aspect. Whether it's to Sean Watson, we've said the names a hundred times you got to make that decision at that point. Do we go for the guy that we know is going to be a star, or do we continue to develop the young kid? And you can say cost-effective, but, again, that will evaporate very, very quickly.
2: The Eagles might have to consider uh, hiring Sam Inkey. Who knew how not only to crew uh, draft assets, but continue to push them off, uh, take a pick and trade for a future pick if they're not sure at the end of this year as to whether Jalen Hurts is the guy? I want to give another year to prove it or not? They're going to want to push all those draft picks for another year so that they can potentially get their next quarterback somewhere else down the road. I do want to follow up on one point that you made though: um, Carson Wentz and how he plays this year in Indianapolis. Could it work itself out and prove to have been a mistake? Certainly what Jalen Hurts did will be a big part of determining that. But Carson himself, who you just said, where you'd like to see Jalen Hurts this year in that nineteen twenty range with the capability of going even higher thereafter. Where does Carson Wentz have to fall in the level of play this year for us to be either... 100% sure. Oh, God, did we screw this up? Look how good Carson Wentz is. Or, well, hey, Carson was better than Jalen Hurts. So maybe if we kept him, or damn, did we do the right thing with uh, moving on from Carson Wentz? Carson did us a favor <laughs> by uh, forcing himself out of town. How would you break down that range and ranking of Carson Wentz's year from the fall into those uh, different levels of? evaluation that Eagle fans will be making when this season's over and done with?
3: Well, I I think for me, it's a little bit different. For me, uh, it would be sort of 2018, 2019 Carson Wentz if he plays in that range. But I I think outside, I think to the average fan, I think he would have to be even better than that for them to think it was a mistake. Same same with me. I'm one of those. I thought Carson was settling in as a guy, you know, if we're going to use numbers, if we're going to use where he is in the hierarchy, right. I thought he was a guy settling in as maybe the 12th or 13th or 14th best quarterback in football. And on a good year, maybe get in the bottom of the top 10. That's where I thought he was settling in as a player. And I think that would have been good enough. Now, I don't think fans will think that way. And obviously you, you include yourself, yeah. because of some of the off the field stuff because of some of the reputation stuff um and that's understandable but you know if you've got a guy in that 12 13 range you could do a lot worse um and we're gonna see that probably and we Here have where,
2: and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this and again it's just a um evaluating this from a uh, both a talk show host and a fan standpoint melding the two he was the second pick in the draft second not second round like Jalen Hurts he was yeah. the number over number 2 overall pick he had set the bar for three quarters of a season at not top 10 not top 5 top 3 quarterback in the league maybe mvp which usually means you're the best quarterback in that given year so Carson Wentz Carson Wentz has kind of raised the bar for me whereas In the good year, he could crack the top 10, would be good enough. But usually he's a guy who's outside the top 10, 12, 13 range. Eh, Not good enough. When you've already done what Carson Wentz has done, one of which he can't control being the second pick in the draft, one of which he did put on the board, MVP-like numbers in 2017. And, oh, by the way, cast the quarterback contract ticket and got paid as one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the National Football League. When you got those three things working for you, I'm sorry, Johnny Mac. You're you're going to you're grading too easily on him. That if he settles well, in at number 12 but can go a little
3: bit higher. No, that doesn't cut it for, for a guy like me. Well, I I I think more than a grade, it's the context. I talk about the injury all the time. I talked about it with Joe Burrow. I mean, to me, the demarcation line is pre-ACL, L- LCL, post-ACL, LCL. So, yeah, before that, I would have agreed with you. After that, I realized it wasn't the same guy physically, so you're going to have a little bit more limitations. Never thought it would get as bad as it did last year. Again, I thought he was settling in in that 12, 13, 14 category and and had a little bit of upside depending on the supporting cast from there. Um So that – but it's interesting you bring up – because we talk about pedigree all the time. It works both ways. You're going to get the benefit of the doubt, but more expectations as well. And I look at the New York Giants up the turnpike. I've said this since the draft. I think Kadarius Toney is going to be a failure because of the expectations. I think Aziz Ojalari is going to be considered a really good draft pick because he got taken in the second round. I think if you flip that and ojalari gets taken in the first round, Tony gets taken in the second round, completely changes. People say, oh, well, Ojolari's a pretty good player, but he's a first-round pick. That's expected. And Tony could be the manufactured touch guy, and they'd say, oh, that's pretty good. You get a contributor for a second-round pick. The whole landscape changes with that first-round tag. Jalen Rager's going through it here. The whole landscape changes, Jody, and it works good for players like Andre Dillard, who's going to get another chance, but it also works bad because the expectations are generally through the roof. And when you're the second overall pick, they are through that roof. Something you said
2: uh, really started me thinking, and that's, Exactly why we do this, right, is to get birds fans thinking, and and good for you, Johnny Mac. Um, the evaluation post injury and pre injury can absolutely be different, and yes, we've seen Carson Wentz pre and post, and there is a significant difference. How much is because of the injury? Only Carson Wentz knows for sure, but we can draw our own conclusions. Let me ask about the ego conclusion. Do you think that factored in? when they made the decision at some point they said during this off season yeah we got to move on here this as much as we may have loved card and moved up to get him and gave him the contract and gave him the support uh, we need now to move on. A big part of it Car- was, of course, Carson was demanding it and was being obnoxious about it, even though he didn't do it in public, behind closed doors on the phone to his agent. He doesn't want to be there anymore. You got to do what you can, get him out of town. That's that's more of the driving force. But could part of it have been that the Eagles looked at it like Johnny Mack looked at it? That, well, we keep referring back to 2017, But that was a pre-major knee injury, Carson Wentz, in 2017. When we're looking at what Carson Wentz will do in 2021, 22, 23, 24, oh, that's a post-injury Carson Wentz. And our expectations have dropped down that much for us to say, Well, why are we paying him the kind of money that we're paying him? We gave him the money hoping that the injury wasn't as big a deal. Now we see that it may very well be a bigger deal. Yeah, we just need to go in a different direction at quarterback. How much of that do you think factored into Howie Roseman at
3: all in the decision that they made to move on from Carson Wentz? I think it factored in how much I, I can't tell you. They obviously signed him to the big deal, so it wasn't that big of a concern for them. I do think they already adjusted their expectations when they signed him to that deal. I think a lot of people look at that deal and say, oh, my God, how much money? It, it was the most guaranteed money in NFL history at the time. You know how this works, Jody. They That got usurped almost immediately. Now it looks like a cost-effective deal uh, if it's a decent quarterback. That's how quickly it moves. The Eagles know that. Howie, that's the strength of Howie Roseman. So he got a team-friendly deal done. People don't understand that deal was very team-friendly. So they believed they got a bit of a discount. So I think they knew the expectations changed a little bit, uh, pre-injury, post-injury. Uh, I think they knew the ceiling wasn't quite as high, but they didn't know it was going to go the way it went by no stretch of the imagination. Then when it did, yeah, I'm sure they factored in it's pretty clear this guy's not the same guy physically. And, and by the way, we, to me, the biggest injury by far is the ACL and the LCL because you also have documented history for other players having the same injury, having the same type of decline. Um, but you also have the stress fracture in the back. You also have the concussion as well. So I'm sure it played into it. How much did it play into it? You know, we're going to put a percentage on it, I would say probably 10, 50, very low. I wouldn't say 50, 60%, but I'm sure it played into it.
2: He's Johnny McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys here on birds. uh, 365. We'll come back, continue to talk about the Eagles, but uh, got a good guest coming up a little bit later. We're hoping the Clark judge is not attempting to do it from outside like Dave Weinberg did when his Wi-Fi just kept dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Uh, Clark Judge uh, from Talk of Fame, uh, he's got a podcast as well. He's an NFL writer, has been from years and is a Hall of Fame voter. John and I have touched on the Hall of Fame with our buddy uh, Paul Domovich uh, uh, stepping down from the uh, Daily News this week. Uh, We got off on a little bit of a Hall of Fame tangent. I think we'll do some more of that with Clark Judge from the Talk of Fame Network and also a NFL Hall of Fame voter. He's going to join us coming up about 25 minutes from now. But don't you even think about going away from Birds 365.
4: I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark
5: Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything
6: or nothing at all.
8: it's the door to a world most people only dream of there's strong and then there's army strong try it on at goarmy.com
2: hey football friday here on birds 365. i'm the call. i'm the mac mac guys on the big the media YouTube channel. Thanks for jumping aboard. Hopefully you have a great weekend and we'll have a, another summer week of football to talk about next week as we are making our way toward the 2021 season. Uh, we touched on this at the top of the show before we attempted to punch Dave Weinberg up, but the uh, computer gods uh, gave us some hurdles to get over today. Uh, we were talking about Jimmy Kemsky's article in uh, phillyboys.com Why the Eagles are going to be a dumpster fire this (laughs) upcoming season. And he did make a really good point, which uh, I know the optimism, the glass half full Eagle fans don't want to deal with, don't want to look at um, Harry Roseman and what he has done since the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. We pointed out some of his draft pick mistakes. The acquisitions of free agents have not been, Top drawer necessarily either since 2017. Let me throw you a couple all time forgettable Eagle names that have gone through this organization just within the last couple of years. All right, somebody back in the 80s, you could <coughs> certainly forget, but I'm talking about guys who were only here a couple of seasons ago. How was the Golden Tate era?
1: <laughs> well, it was better. Than- What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat?
3: And a lot of these guys that Jimmy said, at least he caught the winning touchdown in, in the double joint game. And by the way, the interesting story about that, about, he ran the wrong route, <laughs> but it worked. Uh, he, didn't, he couldn't hear the play call. He ran the wrong route, so it turned out to be a little bit of sandlot football. But, yeah, I mean, Golden Tate, it was interesting at the time. Nelson Aguilar wasn't playing well. The Eagles needed uh, a slot receiver. But there was some redundancy there, and I remember asking Howie Roseman when he made the trade. Well, does this mean Nelson's got to play outside? Because he was really bad at playing outside. Golden Tate wasn't really—that wasn't the strength of his game. Bottom line, though, he was a really good player for a long time in Detroit, and he just kind of lost. That that happens in the NFL, and he just wasn't the same guy. It hasn't been this. Wasn't the same guy in New York as well with the Giants. You know, they made a mistake. And he's, they give if they
2: hadn't given up a third-round pick, I would go, okay, well, you took a swing and you missed. Golden Tate, yeah. like John McMullen correctly states, not the same player he was with the Lions. He was very good with the Lions. Did you see the article this week that uh, uh, Golden Tate, who's still a free agent, who's still yeah. sitting yeah. out there, Uh, In other words, a whole bunch of people agree with Johnny Mack, that he's just not the same (laughs) player he used to be. Uh, We're now uh, almost into July, and he hasn't gotten a nibble on the free agent market. Uh, He said, wouldn't mind rejoining Matthew Stafford, reliving the golden days of uh, the Lion connection between Ian Stafford out in the uh, NFC West.
3: He wouldn't wouldn't mind getting signed anywhere, to be honest. Gold Tate. By the way, that's the maddest little inside story for you. The angriest Nelson Aguilar ever got at me uh was when I had I had written that Golden Tate should be playing in the slot. And by the way, I was wrong, Nelson, if you're listening. You shouldn't have been. You should have been playing. Uh Nelson did not like that. Really? He did not like that. He gave you the stink eye at uh, some he point in me, the locker he, room? He gave me more than the stink eye. He gave me more than oh, a okay.
2: He he verbalized his disappointment with uh, you.
3: He, he got to the point where some people had to step in between. Really? Them. And, oh, almost and, got and, physical, huh? No, not from my perspective. Not from my perspective. What am I going to do to an NFL player? But he was not happy with it, uh, which is interesting. And I said, Nelson, I, I just said, why do you care? It's my opinion. That's that's what we have to do. And to his credit, by the way, he apologized uh, quickly afterwards. Okay, that's good. He's probably having a
2: bad day. Um, Golden Tate here in Philadelphia, gone, didn't do much while he was here. Oh, by the way, he wouldn't mind Matthew Stafford. Also said, wouldn't mind hooking up with uh, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. I think the point you made earlier was, he's looking for a job anywhere. Anybody gives him a decent offer, he's going to love playing with that quarterback. Mark it down for sure at this stage of Golden Tate's career. Uh, but they also brought in Mike Wallace that year. And I remember saying a pretty good shot. I thought it was Mark. a good fit. Yeah. I thought it was a good bit at the time. When they signed him, I said, you know, this isn't a bad sign. Howie Roseman was wrong. John McMullen was wrong. Jody McDonald was wrong. Mike Wallace brought nothing to the table. Well, he, he also get, got hurt right away. Right. He couldn't I get on the weird. field. Yeah. So uh, and and that, yeah. that's part of what you got to do as a general manager. And it's not yeah. necessarily fair. And, uh, you could have all best intentions and have it planned out and slotted out perfectly. And you had the guy can't get on the field. Guess what? You're wrong. It sucks. If you're a general manager, but you're wrong. If the guy no. can't get on the field. Um, Corey Nelson and Paul Warlow yeah. as linebackers. Isn't yeah, Warlow well, on on uh, wrestling
3: these days? Do I do no, I have that's, that wrong? Uh, that's Wardlow, oh. Wardlow on AEW. You know what's interesting? Paul, poor Warlow, our our buddy Martin Frank. He's a Delaware guy, so uh, he was really excited because Paul Warlow was going to be a part of this team. First play of OTAs. First play, Jody. Non contact, boom, ACL, down, gone. Uh so that was the thing. Corey Nelson, they've had a really, really difficult time with these sort of cost effective deals at linebacker. LJ Ford came. Uh then it was uh who who was it in twenty twenty? Did Jimmy put that up? Uh the Chargers guy. I can't uh Jatavis Brown. Uh, He just retired Tavis Brown I mean They don't value the linebacker position We sit there and that's one of the things we always talk about You know Eric Wilson is like that's a big splashy Free agent signing for the Eagles at linebacker I mean at some point You would think they would look around the league And see the Devin Whites of the world What he did for the Buccaneers And Levante David as well and route to the Super Bowl and then I think Jonathan Gannon comes from Indianapolis, where they have Darius Leonard. Before that, he was in Minnesota, where they had Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. How about how about trying to get a real linebacker, Howie? If you're listening, just once, just try right.
2: it. Uh, just try it. It hasn't happened this offseason, unless some of the later round draft picks they took who were cornerbacks and or defensive line that they're trying to convert to linebacker. That's your best hope at, right now, finding that diamond in the rough that you're referring to that becomes a staple
3: and a borderline star. Yeah, the well, but but here's the problem, Jody. I think white was a top, mm. certainly top 10. He might've been top five pick. Uh, Barr was a top 10 pick Leonard uh, and, and, Kendricks were both second-round picks. I mean, they're premium picks. They're premium picks. So how about trying to to get a linebacker is all I'm trying to say at some point. Yeah, investing in the position with draft capital. Yeah, they
2: haven't done it forever. And good luck thinking how he's going to do it this upcoming year. We shall see. Um, But other acquisitions. Let me ask you about this guy. Because talk about two guys that I got wrong. One I was uh, half-heartedly excited about. One I was pretty damn excited about. When they signed Michael Bennett, the former Seahawk, and when they brought in uh, Haloti Nata, who, yes, I understood was at the tail end of his career, but I thought was still a big enough, strong enough guy who could be your run-stopping middle of the defensive line, could uh, play with Fletcher Cox kind of DT. Uh, I was more excited about Bennett, who I thought they got on a cap-friendly deal and not uh, was uh, yeah lim- limited snaps be part of the rotation guys really neither one of those guys worked out here in Philadelphia did they 2020 hindsight
3: well uh, not a certainly different I, he he was aging in his career and he was only brought in to be a sort of two down run stopper michael actually played pretty well i think people forget i mean his issue michael's out there man he is he is uh, he is an interesting guy I'll right. But that, that. see, that's part of it. I'm sorry
2: to interrupt you, John. I thought that the Eagle coaching staff, again, my fault, Howie Roseman's fault, I thought that they could harness him and keep him somewhat focused enough that he wasn't going to become an issue. Yeah, he actually made some plays in the Eagle uniform. But as you said, he was out there when he's uh, a free agent, you can sit down, you can talk to him, you can try and get inside a guy's head, you've got your league source and maybe nobody, somebody from Seattle, and you try and find this stuff out. They never got him on the straight now. Now, it might have been impossible. M- maybe that couldn't have been done, but when you sign the guy, you have to know whether that can be done or not. And I incorrectly thought that the Eagles might be able to pull something like that off.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I mean... I don't think anybody. He went to the Patriots after that, went to the Cowboys. Nobody could pull it off with Michael. But he's just, you know, it's interesting. It, you know, I'll give you another locker room story. I was one of the few guys Michael would talk to all the time. He didn't talk to anybody. I mean, really? and, and he didn't, uh, and he would make things very uncomfortable, especially for young reporters who weren't used to it. He would ask them questions, he would make them very uncomfortable. He just got a kick out of it. But You know, people are like, well, what the hell is McMullen talking about? The key key is Michael would not talk about football. We talked about Netflix all the time. We talked about our Netflix. cubes. He would not talk about football. And at the very end, I would say, Mike, you got to give me something on the game. Give me something. And he would give me one stupid quip. But uh, the whole time we'd be talking about our Netflix uh, cubes. He's a big uh, horror person guy. Mm -hmm. Love the purge. Love the purge
2: <laughs> that that might explain a lot with uh, Michael Bennett and the direction that his career took a uh, couple other swings and misses how he has had in free agency the last couple of years and or trades um, and a whole of Sean Jackson trade. People forget that was actually a trade, not a free agent signing. It seemed like a free agent signing, but it was a trade. Uh, the return of Vinnie Curry. Well, by the way, he's on the Jets this year. Uh, oh God. If Vinnie Curry, all of a sudden, if the light bulb goes on and somehow Vinnie Curry becomes a player, fell off with the Eagles, went to the Bucks, did nothing, comes back to the Eagles and makes it with the Jets. Yeah, I'm not chock full of hope here, but uh, I am just from a Jet fan perspective. Um, Malik Jackson. And again, you you have to uh, keep it in mind, but the dice gets rolled and you got to accept it. Injury. Do you think he's one of those guys who post-injury had no chance whatsoever? Do you think he's going to be able to do anything for the
3: Browns this year? I think he's – I think I, – I put Vinny, as a matter of fact, and, and Malik in in the same category. I mean, Vinny was fine. He's just a rotational player, really the fourth defender, He's. I think he's going to be 33 this month, so he's getting up there. Um, as long as you have him in that rotation, he's really effective. Same thing with Malik Jackson, that the Eagles probably needed him to play a little bit more than he probably should have. And I think Malik probably thinks he should be playing a little bit more than he should. But I think if he's your third guy in the rotation at defensive tackle, I think he's still a good player, Malik Jackson. So you think he's actually going to help the Browns this year? Do you think it was an okay signing for them? Yeah, I think I think it was a solid that's a very good team. Um I got to look at what they have at defensive tackle. Obviously they're very good at defensive end. Um if they're going to expect him to play 70 80% of the snaps, I think things start to you have diminishing returns, but I think if he's out there 30 40% of the snaps, I think he's a he's a really good complimentary player.
2: One of the things uh, Jimmy Kempsky wrote in his Eagles are a dumpster fire column that's on phillyboys.com today um, about the receiving core. And I, I wanted to talk about the receiving car before I saw Jimmy's article, um, his uh, headline uh, for the receiving car. Still, the uh, Eagle receiving so core still that, aren't good. Yeah, they're not. Um, they're not good. They're how not good. high can Devonta Adams, all by his loan, as a rookie, raise this, because no one will
3: argue. Well, Devontae Adams could raise it vastly. Did DeBonte I say Smith, Adams again? Devontae Smith is going to raise it significantly, but not as much as Devontae Adams. Adams. Maybe maybe two, three years down the road, uh, I think I think is going to be fine. I think, you know, the receiver position has been so bad for so long now, uh, people are going to see Devontae Smith and go, wow, You know, okay, that's what a receiver looks like. I should put one caveat. Every time Deshaun was out there, which was, you know, one game a year, he was still good, uh, Deshaun Jackson, um, but couldn't get on the field. All Sean Jeffrey couldn't get on the field. Then he had the big injury, just wasn't the same physically. So they've had some good receivers. But the last two years, because those guys haven't been able to get on the field, I mean – in the modern era of the NFL, Jody, you know, it's happened three times. It's happened twice to the Eagles and back-to-back seasons. No receiver over 600 yards. It's atrocious. It's unbelievable. It, I, I It's nothing to get the 600 yards receiving in the modern NFL. And they couldn't find a receiver to do it. They couldn't find a receiver. Now, Travis Fulgen probably would have done it if they kept him on the field, but it's really unbelievable. And what makes it even more
2: painful this past year than the previous year, at least in the previous year, they had two tight ends. Yeah. Because when you make that stat, you're talking about purely <laughs> wide receivers. Yeah, sure. not, yeah. not, not receivers, wide receivers. Uh, at least you had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, both catching a whole lot of balls and putting up a whole lot of yards. This past season, Zach Ertz was not nearly as good a player as he had been in previous years, and Dallas Cottage was hurt for a chunk of the season as well. So you didn't have as many 12 formations as you had had in 2019, in 2020, and Eagles wide receivers still came up with less than 600 yards. Yeah.
3: You but almost I mean, even, have to work to be that bad. Even Exactly. Even that, Jody, if you think about it from this perspective, if you have the best tight end in football, you know, Travis, Kelsey, George Kittle, whoever, okay, 1,500 yards, you know, record. You know, your average quarterback in the NFL in the modern era is going to throw for 4,000. Bad quarterback throws for 35 if he's out there uh for 16 now it'll be 17 games just do the math somebody's got to get those yards it's usually a receiver it's always a receiver with over six hundred it's only it's only happened three times and it's happened back to back years for the Eagles it's it's a it's beyond it's Ben Simmons at the free throw line that what that's what that statistic is it's so abhorrent you can't even wrap your head around it. Uh, then Devonta Smith,
2: that's Mr. Smith comes to Philadelphia. <laughs> better get at least 600 yards a Oh, yard. he's
3: getting 600 in his sleep. Yeah, would be I'm, healthy. We always I'm,
2: I'm banking on uh, over 900 yards, probably over 1,000, but he better get at least the 600 so John McMullen and I can't make fun of the Eagle wide receivers as a group as we have these last couple of years. All right, we get a timeout in here. Hoping to be joined by uh, Clark Judge, uh, NFL columnist for decades, uh, doing it these days for Talk of Fame uh, Network, and a Hall of Fame voter is going to hop on with us talk NFL and Hall of Fame right here on Birds 365.
4: I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in, decisions, the dark, the dark
5: Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you
6: can safely do everything or nothing at all.
8: it's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. A
2: Football Friday edition here on Birds 365. Sometimes it's a casual Friday. I don't know about you, Johnny Mac. You look like you're in a T-shirt. Is that a T-shirt you uh, got I got,
8: I
3: got
2: the collar, Jody. Oh, okay. I don't. I at least I, got the collar. the collar. I went purely T-shirt today because my daughter was good enough to buy this for me for Father's Day. Uh, so it's a casual Friday. Let's see. Our next guest looks quasi-casual. He's got a good... He's rocking a good hat with us. Oh, he's Quas- no, got John. the Canadian's hat. There we go. Oh, I, can't even, I didn't make that out. Is that a C? there he goes very good
10: stanley cup finals
2: for
3: the first time and how long clark judge how long has it been 1993 wow even longer than i imagined i think it's good when a team like montreal gets into stanley cup finals i think it's good when boston the celtics are in the end but people probably don't like that but it's been a long time since been a long time
10: i think it's great for uh canada i I love seeing canadian teams in the stanley cup finals it it hasn't been that frequent but the last team a team from canada won a stanley cup was 1993 with montreal but yeah montreal but this isn't a great team it's not really a really good team but right now they are because they're playing confidently they're playing with all sorts of momentum, and they've got a very, very hot goalie. So it's a complete team effort. They don't have great goal scorers. they just got a lot of people who are taking advantage of the opportunity. It's a lot of fun to watch them, a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, Carey Price has been on fire here in this postseason <laughs> after they fell behind 3-1 to one to Toronto. Uh, all of a sudden, it was like he and the team flipped the switch, and they've been dynamite ever since. Um, I, I've always thought of you as a New York guy. How would you become a Canadiens fan there, buddy? I
10: always followed them. My dad was in the service, so we moved all over the country. I mean, I, I go way back to the 60s, and I started following hockey with the Red Wings, with Roger Crozier, God, Gordie Howe, those guys, Ted Lindsay, uh, Delvecchio. I loved watching them. But then when I watched Montreal, they played with such speed and finesse that I love their game. And, of course, then they started winning. Well, not started. They were winning a lot. So that was appealing. But I loved watching them play. And um, I, I've become a lifelong and long-suffering Canadiens fan. And this is
3: just <laughs> Mark, so, so,
10: so great to see. Um, I, I don't know if you guys watched that game last night, but outside the Bell Centre last night, the, the fans are going crazy. I mean, there were thousands yeah. watching. Just great for Montreal, It's great for Canada, and I think it's great for the NHL. Yeah.
3: I mean, the Flyers haven't won for a long time here in Philadelphia, but I remember, you know, going back to the days of Ken Dryden. I mean, those Canadian teams, yeah. those were just phenomenal. And I remember the Flyers. So I just remember Flyers fans would get really, really upset because Ken Dryden was that good and there was nothing they could do. It was about that good.
10: Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I, I, I tell stories all the time about the Summit Series when Ken Dryden was the goalie there. He was spectacular. It was a different game. I mean, there were stand-up yeah. goalies. Um, guys weren't getting in front of the the net like they are today. I don't see how goalies play the way they do today with all the interferences going on in front of them, and um, and yet um, they're all remarkable. I mean, Leonard played last, really well last night and got beaten on a shot that he couldn't have stopped, but. Uh, I think it's a remarkable game. I love watching it. Dryden was spectacular. My favorite player was I Loved watching uh, the roadrunner because he, he could fly. And I love teams that are fast. And Montreal is a fast team. And they built the, the club the way I think playoff teams should be built from the back end up. Good goalie. They've got four really good and big defensemen. And, um, and they've got
2: momentum right now. So they're playing well. Yeah, As fast as Cornwallier, he wasn't the Rocket. There was only one player that they named the Rocket, so I'm sorry. Mr. Richard was the fastest guy out there on the ice. But we digress. We didn't get John to talk hockey, (laughs) but we do love the hat, and we give you credit for it, and good luck in the upcoming Stanley Cup final. Now, we wanted to talk football with you, and we appreciate you coming on board. I I read an interesting thing on Pro Football Talk today. Uh, Someone finally noticed and brought it out that aaron Rodgers could opt out this year now he would give up his salary if he chooses to do so because we are still in the midst of a pandemic even though we may be beating it back it is still certainly something that uh, we deal with on a day in day out basis and if you haven't been vaccinated in the nfl all other sports you certainly are dealing with it with the restrictions you're under but it is also given gave given the players an option that if they want to opt out this season, they can. And while they won't be paid their salary, they will not have certain ramifications held against them, like skipping preseason games, like giving back roster bonuses for being on the team, that Aaron Rodgers could just choose to opt out, and it wouldn't be as punitive as if he held out. Do you think that's really an option for the Green Bay Packers starting quarterback?
10: I think... Everything is an option for Aaron Rodgers. I really do. Because if you know him, and I don't know him well, I certainly have dealt with him. He is, what Mark Murphy said, very complicated guy, very smart guy, um, honestly, somewhat arrogant guy. But uh, that's what you want in a leader for a, for a football team. And he's the leader of that team. But he's tough to figure at times. And when he puts his foot down and believes very strongly about some things, he follows <laughs> through. and He doesn't care what anyone else says. I I've, have said for a long time, listening to what he's saying or not listening to what others are saying and some of that which i think comes from him but listening to what's going on and the fact he didn't show up at minicamp i don't think he's going to show up at training camp i do think he's resolved not to play for that team again now i know others are saying no that's not the case i mean look he signed up for the green bay country club again i don't care and aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers is a strongly independent individual he does what aaron Rodgers wants to do and i think he's really set his foot in cement on this thing and said, okay, let's see who blinks first. And it does remind me, and John, you'd remember this, and it reminds me somewhat in 2007, uh, 2012, um, I'm sorry, 2011 with Carson Palmer. And then it was two thousand twelve. I think. Um, But with Cincinnati, Carson Palmer said, I'm not playing with you again. I'm not going back to Cincinnati. And Mike Brown said, no, you are. We're not trading you. We are not trading you. I'll retire first. No, you're staying with this team. And then what happened was Marvin Lewis goes out there and Marvin Lewis comes back and says, he's going to retire. And I had a friend who was a next door neighbor who told me the same thing. He's retiring. He's not going to play for Cincinnati again. So the Bengals upped and drafted Andy Dalton in the second round. Lo and behold, they were six and two in mid season. And Mike Brown, the guy who said, I will never trade him, traded him to the Oakland Raiders. So um, maybe that happens here, but I think it's somewhat similar because it does, it reminds people of the Brett Favre situation. It reminds me more of that Carson Palmer <laughs> Situation yeah. because Carson Palmer is defiant, and Aaron Rodgers honestly is, is defiant here too. And I, I do think he's just waiting to see who moves first.
3: Now, Clark, the, the problem with the opt out scenario <laughs> is he, he would have to make a decision really, really quickly July yeah. 2nd, so right. essentially next week. So that kind of limits your strategy to try to use that. The Carson, I've used that myself. I agree with you. The Carson Palmer situation. But he have to get back, I think, $23 million yeah, if he retired. Right. So, but I, he's got a lot of I, money, John. He's yeah, got a lot he, of money. He doesn't need the money, but I've yet to meet the person that wants to cut the $23 <laughs> million dollar check going the other way. Maybe it Jody. is such an interesting <laughs> scenario. But I want to talk about it, Clark, from the perspective of if it does happen, mm-hmm. and say it's Denver, how drastic is the shift in the NFL landscape uh, as far as Green Bay being a contender to Denver becoming a contender.
10: That's exactly what would happen. I mean, Green Bay, you'd probably put at the bottom of the uh, division. Well, Detroit's there, so maybe down there with Detroit. But no longer is Green Bay a playoff factor. That's how big a difference he makes. And suddenly, Denver, which hasn't had a credible quarterback really since Peyton Manning was there, suddenly does become a factor in an AFC West, which now, if that were to happen – would be very top-heavy. You have Kansas City. I do think the Chargers are going to be good this year. I think they're going to be better, much better. And you've got Denver. And we saw what happened when Peyton Manning went there. He completely revitalized that team. I think the same thing would happen here. And You'd suddenly have to include the Denver Broncos, if this were to happen. Again, that's a big if this yeah. were to happen, as a playoff favorite and as a division threat to Kansas City and maybe just maybe the Chargers.
2: I put this uh, question to Clark, but Johnny Mac, if you want to give me your insight on this too, please do so. They're thinking about moving the combine. They didn't have it this past year because of COVID uh, related issues. They will have it in 2021 back in Indianapolis. But after decades of being there, they're thinking about moving it elsewhere. Why? To make it more of a moneymaker. Uh, what else is new? The <laughs> NFL trying to monetize hmm. everything. They're very good at that. Hmm. Um Should they really do that? Uh, You guys worked it. I never went to the combine. I watch it on TV like everybody else. I've been to Indianapolis. Great town. You can stay indoors. You don't even have to go. It's all connected by tunnels. So I I know how it works. Uh, And that's a uh, beautiful domed stadium. Do they have to move it? Do they need to ring out every single last dollar possible? Is this a foolish conversation the NFL is having, Clark?
10: I don't think it's a foolish conversation if you talk to the owners. The owners are always interested in making more money. What did John just say about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, would Mm -hmm. you leave $23 million on the side? Do they look at this as a money-making proposal? Always have, because I started covering that thing back in the early 90s when there were literally about six or seven reporters there, and nobody's making any money. Nobody is. And then you fast forward to today, and uh, I haven't been there in a few years, but John, I think it's something like a thousand people yeah. there right now. And, yeah. and they, they charge admittance uh, admission for uh, uh, attending the, the combine when, you know, the thing is you're watching people run in shorts. You're watching some guys running shorts, 40 yard wind sprints. I mean, that's what you're going to watch, but people pay for that. And they've monetized the media day. It's Bowls too. <laughs> so yeah. Is that what you should be doing? No, maybe it's not, mm. but that's a romantic and then someone who's, old school and and people say in the NFL get with it we're trying to make as much money as possible so how are we going to do this i fully expect it's going to go to
3: north dallas to be honest with me because oh, jerry yeah. jones knows jerry how built
10: to make- that <laughs> jerry built
3: that place <laughs> that's right with the combine in mind he's got a hotel there he's got the indoor facility that boxing matches he built that place cuz there's no more powerful owner jerry knew what was coming to yes. get the combine in Los Angeles. They're doing the same thing. Exactly. Minnesota has a, a, a brand new facility that can hold it. There's a couple others, Clark, but yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I want the draft to be in radio city music hall and I want the combine to be in Indianapolis, but life moves on. (laughs) And I also want to add that the NFL network is now talking about bringing on uh Partners, media, because all this league wants to do is monetize, monetize, monetize. That's right, and and you know,
10: John, there are people within that 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 office that I've known for years. In fact, my wife's one of them. She used to work there for 24 years, and and they look back and say, you know, it used to be this way, used to be this way, and 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 I'll go, it's not that way anymore. I know people there say it used to be about football. And and then it became about making money. And and that's what it's all about today. And it's just like you said, people say, get with the program. We're monetizing everything. And I'm glad you mentioned the draft. That's exactly exhibit A. The draft was in New York for, you know, years, Jody. Yeah. I mean, Jody, yeah, forever. And it, and and I love going to Rady's venue. But they decided, Hey, if we take this on the road, what do you think?
2: you guys know the Philadelphia.
10: I mean,
2: People now. Oh, tell me we're losing Clark, too. Uh, that apparently – you still there,
3: Clark? Yep, I am. Okay, I, uh, We lost you for a second at the end. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the monetizing aspect, you mentioned the draft is on the road now. The combine was next. Uh, Los Angeles, they're kind of building up this whole, you know, ecosystem with the NFL network. And, it, obviously, yeah. it's going to be in the Super Bowl system uh super bowl rotation um and then the betting aspect of it clark that's really roger has said i want this to be a 25 billion dollar industry by the time i leave he's gonna get there he's gonna get there and this is the way you get there
10: absolutely right and i thought i think what you saw what um Paul Tagaloo said a week ago or so about sports betting. I think that's a very slippery slope to get involved in, but all the sports leagues are doing it and the NFL is leading the pack. And you're right. Again, it goes to making money and who was involved right from the beginning, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. They were, they signed off immediately on the DraftKings deal and somebody else, whatever another uh, betting site was, but that's what's driving the train. It's making money. And, and I do think, i i remember years ago a friend of mine said you know why the nfl is so popular it's a great game yeah but gambling and they know that and they finally woke
2: up to it that's the only thing that bothers me they were so anti-gambling for so long and now they you know there's money to be made oh let's (laughs) throw our arms around gambling which is hypocritical but hey you got to do what you got to do and they are the best at monetizing things and making money. All right, let's take it back out on onto the field um, since we talked about a whole bunch of things. Off the field, Clark, this is Birds 365, and we talk more Eagles than anything else. You got a peek at Jalen Hurts last year. I'd like to get people on who aren't involved on a day-in, day-out basis and overanalyzing every single snap and every aspect of it. Someone <laughs> from outside looking in, did you see enough from Jalen Hurts to make you say, all right, yeah, this guy's worth taking a shot at. Not a guarantee. You're only committed as a second-round draft pick. They have accumulated this draft capital that they have going forward, so if they want or need to go in another direction next year, they can. But are they in a good enough position this year with Jalen Hurts to give him a fair shake and go, yes, either this guy is our quarterback for the next several years or this guy isn't our quarterback starting uh, immediately next season?
10: Yeah. I mean, to going back to your original question, did you see enough? I saw enough to say, Hey, I'm interested. I want to see more. Okay. That's, that's about the extent of it. Now <clears throat> do I think he's going to be the, the next Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. I mean, I think he's worth a look. Uh, he certainly gives you mobility. He can run with the ball. I, I'd like to see him a, a little more accurate as a passer. Um, but the fact of the matter is what we saw was good partly because what we saw before with Carson Wentz last year, I'm talking about last year was so bad and and I'm not faulting Carson Wentz. I know there are a zillion issues going on. However, it was a wake up call for any Eagles fan that Holy cow. Now, suddenly we've got a pulse on offense. We can move the ball up and down the field. And, and I thought that was at least worth looking more at. So this year, do you find out? Yeah. We hope you'd find out something this year because I think there was enough there to
3: explore. Hey, Clark, I want to talk about your latest podcast. I see you had Dan Pompey on. And yeah. And that's eye test for two for those who, who want to check it out. And it's about uh, a lot about the Bears and Justin Fields and their plan moving forward, which they kind of said, uh, Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. It's not a competition early on. But look, Matt Nagy's coaching for his job. Uh, right. Ryan Pace is GMing for his job, whatever you want to call that. Uh, how patient – can you be in the modern NFL when you have a big time quarterback first round pick? Yeah, it's not top five, but they traded up to get him. He's almost, you know, top 10. Uh, How much pressure is there to put those guys on the field quickly? A ton to me,
10: a ton, because just like you said, the head coach is under fire, even though they went to the playoffs last year, they were eight and eight, right? The GM should be under fire. Actually, I'm surprised Ryan Pace is still there. You missed with Mitch Trubisky, and that's a costly mistake, a costly mistake with the second pick of the draft. Then you missed with Nick Foles bringing him in there. Now you're telling us that, okay, this is is the future quarterback, Justin Fields, all right? Fans believe that because they don't want to hear about Andy Dalton. And if I were (laughs) a fan, I wouldn't want to hear about Andy Dalton either. But this is all you need to know about patience, John. And, And again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm preaching to the choir. 2017. Remember that with Houston? Tom Savage was going to be the quarterback. <laughs> we we drafted Deshaun Watson to sit on yeah. the bench and learn. We're going to learn with, Tom, with Deshaun Watson. When he's ready, he will play. But Tom Savage is our quarterback. That plan lasted for one half of the season opener. That was it. So that's how much pressure there is.
2: Well, I'll give the Eagles this much credit. They were headed to the curb. They tried to tell us Sam Bradford was going to be the quarterback when they took Carson Wentz with the second pick of the draft. Oops. Yeah. We get a first-round draft pick for Sam Bradford. Sam, good knowing you. Carson, yeah. guess what? You're jumping in yeah. as a starting quarterback. Yeah. So we know exactly the point you're trying to make. Uh, one of the things I did want to get John on, because John and I discussed this earlier this week about all the fame. One of your compatriots, our buddy Paul Dumwitz from Philadelphia, Uh, is not going to be writing going forward for the Daily News, but he's been in that room with you the last several years, Hall of Fame voting and the like. When do you lose or when do you give up your Hall of Fame voting status? Uh, We don't know the procedure. Uh, First of all, how do you get it? And then uh, when, if you step away from your main writing gig, are you asked to give it up? Yeah, good questions. Uh, How do you get it? You have to have covered a football team
10: as a beat reporter. There are 32 teams. So there are 32 <coughs> individuals from the cities where those teams are. So let's just say John was the beat reporter for the Eagles for a few years. The Hall of Fame then taps you to say, John, we would like you to be the Eagles representative in that room. Okay. So if there's ever an Eagles player who comes up for question You're the guy that would present him. So that's how you do it. You have to have some um, uh, history as a beat reporter, and then you're chosen by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How do you get off? You really don't unless you want to voluntarily leave or you're told to leave. And, for instance, Paul, who's an invaluable member of that group, and I mean that. If you're in that room, I'm sure you guys certainly know him. He's terrific. But um, he's now moved on to, I think, write books, and I think he's going to do – Uh, some other ventures outside, but he will stay on there because uh, he's got a history of covering that team. He's an at-large guy. I think, no, maybe he's the Philadelphia guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a Philly guy, but there are, in addition to those 32, there are 16 at-large members. I'm one of them. So I've covered numbers of teams, but they put me in as an at-large guy. Uh, We've got Dan Fouts, James Lofton is a hall of famers or at-large people. There's several 16 people who are at-large tapped by the hall of fame. But you're on there as long as the Pro Football Hall of Fame is comfortable with you. And I'll give you an example. Vito Stolino, who covered uh, the Steelers with Pittsburgh, then Washington and Jacksonville. He stopped covering the, the Jaguars, I don't know, three or four years ago, but was still involved um, sort of peripherally in, in it. And he's got his own website, VitoStelino.com. He was on there until this, this past year, and then he stepped down. Uh, Ira Miller, whom I uh, covered the 49ers uh, with in San Francisco, uh, had done some um, uh, internet work after leaving the the Chronicle, but he stepped down last year as well. So you're on there really until you, the Pro Football Hall of Fame just says, "I think we need to go in another direction," or you say, "I've had enough."
3: Clark, I want to talk to you about the 2021 class. So yeah. for those who 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 don't know, probably headlined by Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson. Uh, as well, Alan Bannica, John Lynch, who am I missing? Drew Pearson, uh, yeah. Charles Woodson, I think right. is going in. Um, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Yeah, Calvin. Calvin's the interesting one for me because obviously he's a Hall of Fame player, but a uh, little bit of a shortened career uh, <laughs> by his own accord. Uh, how do you guys weigh that? That That is one – Terrell Davis I would put in that category as well. There have been so many uh, – great players who maybe you know one of the one of the guys that i think should be in the hall of fame but the shelf life was was very short was chuck borman in minnesota when you talk about short shelf lives longevity how do you kind of weigh that
10: it's a good question um I, i believe very strongly longevity is one of the key factors in wayne the candidacies of hall of famers, but the Terrell Davis situation. And frankly, Kenny Easley was in the same class. He had an abbreviated career, but they changed the landscape because Terrell Davis, you look at his career essentially had three and a half, three really good years, stellar years at four good years, but three and a half stellar years. And then he was gone and he was gone because of a career ending injury. And in my mind, I thought that was too short. Now, the presentation by Jeff Legwald of Denver was convincing because if you look at his postseason stats, you look at what he did while he was in there, he was uh, a generational talent. But that was only for three or four years. And I can make the argument. You guys can look up these people. You take a guy like Art Powell. He had three great seasons, three stellar seasons. Warren Wells. Warren Wells had some issues, big issues off the field. Three stellar seasons. Why aren't they suddenly candidates? And now you've really sort of lowered the bar. I'm not trying to say that Terrell Davis shouldn't be in. There's an argument to be made, but the argument is this. And that's what a longevity, but what it's done now is open the door for everyone else. And that's one of the reasons you see Tony Baselli now is a top ten finalist. Tony Baselli, people used to say the career is not long enough. And now I say, yeah, it is. And while he was there, he was as good at his position. As Terrell Davis was at his, but we don't have that measuring stick for tackles that we do for running backs. Y- you know, yards per carry, yards per catch, all that stuff, uh, 2000 yard seasons. But um, I think you'll see Baselli get in this year. I will tell you this I don't think he would make it if Kenny Easley and Terrell Davis hadn't happened. But now that they have, it's changed everything so that longevity should not be an issue. Now, I tell you that, guys, even though in that room, when we talk about Baselli, it still continues to come up. And at my point is, it shouldn't, shouldn't it can't anymore, it can't. But we'll find out this year, because this to me is the year baselli has got to make. This year is wide open, the Hall of Fame. I'm talking about
2: 2022. Yeah. You can tell by Clark's impassioned stance there, he's a precedent guy. He believes in precedent. Once you set the yep. precedent, then yep. you have to act on the precedent, which is yeah, a perfectly fine uh, way of handling it. All right, I'm going to ask you to tell a personal Hall of Fame story, and I'll set it up for you. Um, you do your prep work coming in, you know who the finalists are, you do all your studying, you do your pre-work before you get in the room, and then you get in the room, I'm sure you got computer access in case you got to look something up. Who gave the best speech that you were <laughs> leaning towards? Yeah, no, on the bubble, not really for me, probably going to vote no, but someone got up there and gave an impassioned plea and or quoted something, a stat or a stance or a happenstance or a circumstance that transpired during their time with that team, you said, damn, didn't know that. Man, I hadn't considered that. Holy mackerel. Maybe I should rethink my... Who gave the best impassioned plea in the room with you there and actually swung your vote?
10: Okay, I'm not going to give you one. I'll give you two. But the best speech always is the one, for instance, Ira Miller, I may... I suggested... Uh, Early was with uh, the Chronicle. And he was, when he presented Joe Montana, he stood up and said, Joe Montana and sat down. <laughs> That's the best speech. That's the best speech. And so nothing more, nothing more. Um, but there are two. Uh, one was uh, Ira Kaufman, who I do this uh, podcast with John. Thanks for mentioning that um, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I test for two, but John, um, it w- Ira was presenting Warren Sapp and he stood up and <laughs> his introductory speech was so good. I won't tell you what was said because it's a, it, it's not actually for public listening, I think, <laughs> but he said something that had the room in hysterics and it got your attention because I said, I'm, I'm, I'm Warren Sapp. I'm not doing a first ballot. I'm not doing it for numbers of reasons we don't need to go into, but he tipped the room and it was a great speech. It was impassioned. Basically his point was, listen, you know, so he doesn't practice on during the week. So it doesn't practice well, maybe during the week on Sundays, he's always there. And he gave us an example and gave us a reason why, but the one that comes to mind most Jody that uh, you mentioned is somebody didn't swing my vote. It just reinforced my vote. Okay. Morton Anderson, Morton Anderson came up thinking I'm off the yeah, top of my head, fine. 2016, 17, I think it's 16. Yeah. Um, but in any case, all time leading scorer at that time, a two time all decade choice, alright Place kicker. We know Atlanta, new Orleans, Two-time yeah. All-Decade Choice, but he was a kicker, and at that time we had one kicker, Jan Stenner in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We also had two specialists, Jan Stenner and Ray Guy, and so suddenly, um, Morton Anderson is a again a top fifteen finalist, and you hear the room swing. Uh, I don't, you know, these guys are only on the field five or six plays. I don't think we should be doing this. Blah blah blah. And it's going back and forth, and and Dan Fout said. I must be missing something here because we got the analytics guys and they were they were telling things and Dan found said, I must be missing something here. Um, he, he was the best at his position for 20 years, and we're not going to put him in. I don't care what the percentages say. I don't care. He was the best at his position. Somebody then tried to contradict Dan, and Ron Borges from the Boston Herald at that time said, <laughs> in as only Ron can in an impassioned way, "Let's just call it what it is, guys." We're not putting kickers or punters in. That's it. Let's just call it that. We're never going to put them in. And the guy who brought the objection said, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying, Ron said. That's exactly what you're saying. This guy is the all-time leading scorer. He was a two-time all-decade choice. Mm-hmm. He couldn't be any better in his position. And we're just saying, nah, he's not good enough. Why? Because he's a kicker. So let's just make it a rule now. Kickers and punters, you don't need to apply. And that was it. There was no more discussion. He goes through, and he gets in the Hall of Fame as he should have.
3: Yeah, you know, that's so interesting, Clark, because I'm I'm always talking about recency bias. And, you know, you brought up the name Ray Guy. I mean, if you look at – Ray Guy was so much better in his (laughs) era than anybody else. But if you look at the numbers, there's a bunch of punters today that can, for whatever reason, you know, better nutrition, strength, condition, whatever – um, how, how do you guys kind of force the other guys? I don't want to pick people out, but, you know, you got to look at guys with their peers as opposed to just numbers from an analytics standpoint, which might explode because the game has changed or what have you, because of nutrition, all that kind of stuff. Right.
10: That's, that's a very good question, John. And what it does is identify you, Jody, and me – as old guys, old and old guys of a lot yeah. of people, they go, "Oh, old you guys, yeah. we, we, we yeah. like,
2: yeah. we like old school, old, yeah, that's not,
10: right. old, old yeah.
2: school is cool." Yeah,
10: and, and they go, "Oh, you guys, you know, you're looking back to the past, you're romanticizing it." And I go, "I didn't romanticize Ray; guys saw him play. Did so you see much him play? better than and everybody the, and, else?" Yeah. And the the younger the room gets, and I'm not trying to pick out particular individuals, but the yeah. younger the room gets, the more distance they are from. Persons like that. I mean, they, they don't know who Ray Guy was because they didn't see him play. They have a sheet in front of them that tells him what his, his punting average was, his net mm-hmm. average was. And it's like you said, you go, well, look at it versus Shane Leckler. Well, mm-hmm. they don't have a Shane Leckler award. They have a Ray Guy award for good, for good reason. <laughs> and in that room, I remember saying, hey, listen, he's the one of only two guys on the 75th anniversary team who's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ray Guy. The other guy's Billy White Shoes Johnson. What are we missing here? All I know about Ray Guy is he's so good that they named the best punter the award for the best punter in college football after him. It's the Ray Guy Award. At which point someone said, "Yeah, well, the best offensive lineman was Dave Remington, right? That's why they named the award the Dave Remington Award. I don't think he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame." To which point I said, "Tell me where Dave Remington is on the 75th anniversary team." He's not there. All right, what are we missing here? So Ray Guy should have gone in a long time ago. But there is a fight, um, not a fight so much, but there is a struggle within that room of um, stats, analytics, whatever you want to call it, versus, quite honestly, the eye test. And when people say, I saw Ray Guy. If you saw Ray Guy play, you knew he was a a generational talent. Same thing. You saw Gail Sayers. There's a guy with an abbreviated career. If you saw Gail Sayers, he made an impression, and you knew what you were looking at. And I don't think I have to tell you guys. I mean, listen, I I go – Back and I, I honestly don't know how old you guys are, but I think you're probably somewhat the same vintage as I. I remember watching United play. I did, you know, and I and I thought I'd never seen anything like him. And and yet, if you want to take the, the analytics or stats or whatever passer rating, I think the last time I checked, which was like a year ago, he was something like seventy seventh. Oh, so yeah. you could look at that and go, why would you put this guy in? Um, Clark, you
3: know, t- real quick be, real quick I remember 92.3 for a reason because that was Joe Montana's passer rating when yep. he retired yep. now if you're 92.3 the NFL you're an average quarterback you're but an John, average quarterback John the game's changed so much which
10: is difficult for younger people to understand if they watch the game in the 70s and 80s it was so it was a it was a vertical passing game. It wasn't a horizontal passing game. All I know about passing percentages is, is either one of you two guys would run in front of me as the quarterback. And I toss you a two foot forward lateral. It's a forward pass and it's a completion. You know, I, I didn't see those guys. And I'm going back to Tarkin and Unitas, Montana. I'm going to go like, you know, Elway Marino. They were not doing that. They, and, and, and receivers weren't crossing the middle. They weren't because you went across the middle at your own risk. I understand why all those precautions have been made. It's, it's to protect players. But we, I just talked to Mark Clayton last week. He goes, there was nothing like a defenseless receiver in my day. Nothing like that. You go across the middle, you got tattooed. And I understand why the NFL is, is vigilant about that. I get it. But it's a different game. So you're right. When you start playing with numbers, you can do anything with them
2: last thing, and this has been a great conversation. Thank you very much. Last year, you did the Hall of Fame voting virtually. Yeah. Like everything else, we all had to adjust to the (laughs) pandemic time in which we were living. I'm hoping for you guys' sake that you're going to do it as you have day before Super Bowl at the site of the Super Bowl this year. Has that been locked in yet? Am I correct to assume that it hasn't been decided one way or the other?
10: You are correct, Jody. I I don't know the uh, answer to that. And my suspicion, again, this is a suspicion, is that we would do it virtually. That's not talking to anyone, nothing more than just intuition for this reason. A, it's easier to put 50 guys on a conference call. B, it's cheaper. Cheaper, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so that may be what happens. I hope not, because when you get in that room, there's a different dynamic and you can feel a room shift. You can feel a room shift then. And I do think it's a good way of doing it. I know the criticisms involved and I understand them, but there are a lot of positives to it as well. And I think when you face a a voter face to face, you're able to ask questions. uh, And like I mentioned that Ron Borges conversation, when you're able to do something like that, you can swing a room.
2: I didn't even get to ask my question. You answered it without me asking. (laughs) It It sounds like you would prefer to do it in a room with a group I hope that's the way it plays out for you. I fear you could be right that it will be done virtually for cost purposes, uh, the NFL. Something the NFL can't monetize, the Hall of Fame vote. Um, but uh, <laughs> dollars and cents do f- factor in. I hope they factor for you being able to get back in the room. We appreciate greatly, virtually as it is, that you joined us here today. You gave us some great stuff, Clark. Thanks much. I appreciate it, guys. Remember, go have, go. Go, have, have go. go by the uh-huh. next time we have you back on, we'll know whether the Canadians are or aren't the Stanley Cup champions. That's Clark Judge here on Bird's Three Sixty Five. All right, last time out, <laughs> come back. What we'll in the show next here on Bird's Three Sixty Five?
4: I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark
8: It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
2: Welcome back, guys. Uh, wrapping up a Football Friday get-together here on Birds 365. Uh, thank Clark Judge for coming on board. Uh, I thought to reach out to him and get him on this week because you and I had discussed the Hall of Fame. Our buddy Paul Domwich, who we will attempt to get next week here on the show, um, is stepping away from his day-in, day-out duties with the Daily News. But we'll have to ask Domo whether he's planning on continuing to be a Hall of Fame voter and represent Philly shoot if he does it for the next decade as a football fan i wouldn't have a problem with it because i know paul knows what he knows and we'll stay on top of things and would be an uh, excellent guy to continue yeah. the tradition of a philadelphia vote so i thought clark would be a good spot damn i didn't know he's going to be as good as he was he's He's great. Uh, I don't know if his Canadians are going to be able to beat either the Lightning or the Islanders, but uh, we got off on a hockey tangent, but he was great, and we
3: thank him for coming on. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be mentioning Ken Dryden on the show, but here we go. <laughs> we always uh, go. I love the history stuff, as people probably know by now. So uh, these segments are so much fun for me when we have like guys like Clark on and, and Damo as well. Uh, I hope the fans enjoy them. I I do think it's important. And Ray Guy's the perfect example. Yeah. People don't, if you look at those numbers on a paper, look at his peers. Look at his peers. Look at him versus his peers and how much better he was than, you know, Clark brought up Shane Leckler. Great punter. There are a lot of punters in Shane Leckler. Nobody was in Ray Guy's range during Ray Guy's era. Uh, and
2: when i hear that from a guy like clark judge just makes me feel better because i've been doing sports talk radio for 30 plus years from the time i started i was saying this guy should go into the pro football hall of fame uh, i i know he's only a punter but do you realize what this guy is oh, i made the argument they got him in he, it should be in he's the greatest punter of all time in the history of the nfl but we digress all right next week we're gonna get damo up um who else? Oh, uh, we're going to try and get John McClain, uh, NFL scribe. Again, John will like him because he's been doing it forever. And, yeah. oh, by the way, he does it for the Houston Chronicle. Maybe there'll be some new DeJuan Watson news. Don't know. Uh, possibility. Maybe, maybe not. And our buddy uh, BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton, told me this week couldn't do it on vacay, be glad to come on next week. So
3: we got a couple of good spots lined up for next week, right, John? And Jimmy Kemsky. we're running out of spots. Jimmy said he'd come on as well. So we'll see uh, how things shake out. But we should have a, a good lineup, a good pre-July 4th lineup. It's creeping up, Jody. It's creeping up. Well, as long as the temperature doesn't creep up. Because then
2: John's wife is going to turn the oh, uh, turn down to
3: 65.
2: Oh. well we'll let you go freeze freeze a good weekend brother uh, good shows this week thanks much for
3: uh, doing it with me appreciate it thank you Jody yeah, thank that you. Is-
5: if you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel listen to the podcast on your way home available on YouTube Apple and Spotify
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently